I was uh, reading a book this week that was talking about um, just how subconsciously we very quickly rush to judgment on things, whether it's just someone that we've recently met or just met, or if it's a piece of art that we're looking at, or uh, just an article that we're reading or something else that we're watching on TV. Um, subconsciously, we rush to judgment very quickly, sometimes in the matter of just three to 10 seconds. So I was reading this in a book uh, this week, and that got me to thinking about you know, if I had to come up here and give an announcement and introduce Genesis to people, what would I say in that three to, cent, three to ten second period to catch people's attention and let them know what we're about? And so I was thinking about that and trying to distill that down. What really kind of came to mind for me is that here at Genesis, we really do believe that God wants to use us to change the world and to provide that change that comes uh, through the truth of the gospel the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the transformational power that that can have on people's lives. And that's really our mission here is to change the world uh, for God. And we're not going to stop until we have reached that goal. And I don't know entirely what that looks like. Um, I don't know entirely how we get there. But that's really what we're seeking to do here at Genesis. And we'd be excited to have you partner with us and, uh, and take that journey with us as we uh, seek to find out how God would use us here in this community and also around the world um, by supporting missions and things of that nature. Um, there are a number of ways that you can uh, get plugged into Genesis more. Um, so I'll just run through a few of those right now. Uh, one is that we've got some membership classes that are going uh, on Sunday nights right now. It's a five or six part series called I Love the Church and it just explains what we're about uh, from a variety of standpoints. Uh, you know, what do we believe the Bible to be? What's our theology? What's our ministry philosophy? And so on. So that's going on on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. There's another uh, meeting tonight. I believe we are on gospel this week. Um, and so uh, we would invite you to uh, uh, come and be a part of that. And at the end of that, we're going to have uh, some membership interviews and a membership process to confirm members here uh, at Genesis. In addition to that, we have life groups. These are small communities of people here at Genesis that meet throughout the week just to encourage one another and dive in and learn how to study God's word and learn how to live as Christians in the world around us and to grow in that area and really sharpen one another. And so uh, you can find out more uh, just by talking to me or talking to one of the other leaders here at Genesis or going to our website and seeing uh, what life groups are available there, uh, genesisthejourney.com. And you're welcome to sign up for a life group now. We're in the middle of the trimester, but that's no problem. And would welcome you to, uh, to do that. And then there are a number of areas here where you can serve, too. And I think serving is a great way uh, just to get plugged in and to grow in your relationship with God, but also to feel like you're a part of the community. We've got opportunities here set up uh, just in the building on Sunday mornings. We've got opportunities to greet out front as part of Ifong's Connections team. Um, there are a number of areas, uh, Genesis Kids and so on, uh, where we can, uh, can plug you in and get you serving here at Genesis. So feel free to talk to me about that if you'd like to uh, be able to, to serve. So with that said, again, great to have you here this morning. Um, now just take a few minutes to greet people around you. And don't greet people timidly or shyly, but greet people with a joy that comes from knowing that Jesus Christ has paid for your sins, that your sins have been washed away. And so go up to people, shake them in the hand, give them a good handshake, look them in the eye, and just spread the joy. Uh, we're in Proverbs. I think this is our seventh or eighth week in the book of Proverbs. This has been our summer uh, series. And one of the big things with Proverbs is it's not just trying to instruct us 
and give us knowledge, it's trying to give us wisdom, uh, meaning we have, we know how we are to live our lives and wisdom, we practically apply what we know to how we live. And so this summer, we've been focusing on just Proverbs, but how do we practically apply uh, Scripture, specifically Proverbs, to how we live? This morning, um, I'm going to have almost two mini-messages, one that is specifically just for men. Uh, The women get to sit in on that part. You don't have to leave. And then the other part of the message is going to be specifically for women and men. You're going to want to stay for that part as well. Um, But the question I wanted to start with, and I'll ask the men first, okay, is my question is just to the men, what kind of man do you want to be? I know that might seem like a no-brainer, like, oh, well, but when you really think about it, what's your answer? What kind of man do you want to be? We're presented, if you're a man, you've got many options. I wrote down a few. You can be a manly man. You can be a good man. You can be a working man. You can be an intellectual man. You can be a ladies' man. You can be an athletic man, a sensitive man, a renaissance man, a funny man, a macho man, or I don't know if you've been paying attention uh, to commercials recently, but there's uh, uh, the Old Spice guy, <laughs> the manly man, the Old Spice man. And I actually started, because I wanted to be funny and cool in front of you, because you can be the cool man too, and uh, start memorizing the dialogue of, um, so I had some of it, but I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> what kind of man do you want to be. The world gives you many options, so at some level it's a question of picking and choosing who do you really want to be as a man, and part of it is if you don't know what kind of man or who you want to be as a man, you'll often just settle for anything and everything, almost kind of whatever the situation or circumstance calls you to be, and you'll go through life just kind of wearing a mask depending on the season you're in. Women, this is for you. What kind of woman do you want to be? As you consider who you are as a woman, what kind of woman do you want to be? Here's a few, not exhaustive, but here is a few of your options. I can be an independent woman. I can be an intellectual woman. I can be a classy woman. I can be an athletic woman. I can be a working woman. I can be a married woman. I can be a stylish woman. I can be an attractive woman, or I can be a powerful woman. There is no Old Spice female. I couldn't find her. Um, But those are a few options for you. So what kind of woman do you want to be? And again, similar to the men, if you don't know what kind of woman you want to be, you'll just settle for being anything and everything at any given moment. So this is the question I'm putting before the men of our community and the women of our community is, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of woman, if you're a woman, what kind of woman do you want to be? Let me uh, pray for us. Proverbs uh, is where we're going to head this morning, Uh, but I wanted to plant that question, and you might even, in this time of prayer, I'll give you just a moment of silence, ask God to reveal to you the kind of man that he wants you to be, or God to reveal to you the kind of woman that he would want you to be. And as we'll talk about, none of those options are actually all that appealing. So Father God, this morning, I just give thanks for everyone that is here this day. God, I believe that you have uh, you've brought everyone here 
today that needed to be here. And God, that's exciting uh, because I believe that you have something to speak, something to reveal to each of us, not only as a community, but God, I believe that you can see in the depths of who we are, God, into the depths of our heart and where we are often confused. God, you are not confused. So would you please uh, do what only you can do and speak to each of us. God, I pray that you would use scripture this morning not only to sharpen and challenge us, but God, that you would use your word uh, to speak to each of us. God, lead us uh, this morning. Give us uh, hearts to receive what you have for us. And uh, God, give us ears to hear ultimately what you have to say. Give us minds uh, to understand uh, these things uh, in this place this day. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. My hope would be, uh, just as we're starting out, that your answer, if someone were to ask you again as you would leave this place, who are you as a man or who are you as a woman, you would actually have a quick response, you would actually have a conviction of your response, and you would actually have boldness, meaning no fear, no shame, to come out and say, you know what, I'm a godly man, and I'm growing in being a godly man, meaning I'm God's man, that's it. Or if you're a woman, I'm a godly woman, that's who I am. I'm not confused about it, I actually love that's who I am, who I am and who I'm growing to be. I'm not wavering, I'm not wondering, I'm a godly man or I am a godly woman. An obvious question would be, why? What's the point of being, if you have all of these options of a manly man or an independent woman or all of the options I read to you, why on earth would you want to settle on being a godly man or a godly woman? Because if you don't know why you settled there, then when things kind of get hard, you will get unearthed, so to speak, and you'll move on to something else that's a little bit easier. So if you're not convinced why you want to be a godly man or a godly woman, it won't stick. And this is what uh, the Apostle Paul actually says to Timothy. It might be a verse. It always usually gets, if you're into gym, working out, athletics, this is a verse that often gets quoted. It says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, have nothing to do with godless, godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. What a great verse. Enter into a training where you will be a godly man or a godly woman. He goes on in verse 8. For physical training is of some value. Now, see, I can take a verse like that and be like, well, you know, I, I, I don't work out much, and so that's my verse that says it's really not that important. It's kind of important, but not that important. Just kidding. First, uh, verse 8, for physical training, it's got some value. But listen, godliness has value for all things. Underline that. Godliness has value for all things. Not just some things, not just certain things, not just once in a while, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You couldn't say that of anything else, that this makes a difference in all aspects of my life, not only here and now, but eternally speaking. Why do you want to be a godly man or a godly woman? 
because it will impact not just some of your life, it will impact all of your life, both now and throughout eternity. So if you want to know why, that's why. Because it will have eternal significance starting today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Peter says this, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, he's talking about the end of times, since everything is just going to be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Since this is not going to last, but you will pursue holiness, but then be a godly man, a godly woman who pursues godly living. That's number one, first reason of why choose godliness, because it has an eternal significance uh, on your life and lives around you. And then the second reason is Jesus didn't die just to guarantee our salvation so that we could meet Jesus, get saved, and then just live our lives to do our own thing our own way. It's hard for me to look at Jesus and say, hey, thanks for coming, for living perfect, for dying a bloody death, rising again. Thank you for doing that, but I've got that covered. Now I'm just going to go do my own thing. Jesus did die to secure a salvation for me, for each of us, but that was just the beginning of all that Jesus did. I like how Paul says to Timothy again in 2 Timothy, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Just stop there. Why do I want to be a godly man? Because of Jesus. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to impress anyone. Why do you want to be a godly man or a godly woman? Not because you're trying to impress someone in this church and be like, wow, look how spiritual they are. We should make little dolls and action figures named after you because you are so godly. No, it has nothing to do with that. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, that's it. Why do I want to be godly? Godly man, because eternal impact on both here and now, and because of Jesus. Plain and simple. He died for me so that I would live for him. Not selfishly, uncontrolled, undisciplined, giving to any and every of my desires, but that I'd live a godly life. What I love about this, and I'll warn you up front, if you would make the decision today, and the beautiful part of this is it doesn't matter if you're 55 or 15 years old or somewhere in between. It's not too late to start being a godly man. And if you've already made the decision to be a godly man or a godly woman, you can grow in godliness. That's the beauty of this. This is a lifelong pursuit, but it starts with a decision where you're not confused as to who you are. I'm a godly man. I'm a godly woman. But what Paul warns uh, Timothy actually about if you choose to be a godly man or a godly woman, it's going to be hard. I'm so thankful that the Bible is honest on so many fronts, but he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul to Timothy. My way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Verse 11, you know about my persecutions, my sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord, he rescued me from all of them. Verse 12, 
If you really want to be a godly man or a godly woman, memorize verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What a great verse. It's honest. If you make this decision to be a godly man or a godly woman, it is going to be tough. It is going to be hard because it is so countercultural. Because not many people are making that decision. Lots of people making decisions to be the old spice man or an attractive woman, athletic woman, or a ladies' man or whatever. That's easy. Anyone can do that, let's be honest. But it, there's only a few, and I hope there will be not just a few and not just many, but all of us if you're here today. And you might not ever come back, I realize that, but would you leave here at least saying, I made a decision today that I will not settle for anything less than being a godly man or a godly woman. Men, you're going to go up first. Usually women get to go first, but men will go first in this case. Women, as you hear what I'm sharing with the men about what it means to be a godly man, I don't want you to tune out and just wait for your part of what it means to be a godly woman. I want you to listen, and especially if you're single, that this is the kind of man that you want to pursue you, that you will settle for no one or nothing less than a godly man. Not a man who's confused about who he is, what he's doing, where he's going, but a man who is absolutely convinced and convicted with boldness and passion, I'm a godly man. Not a perfect man, but I'm a godly man. So women, listen to this. If you're already married, then these are the things that you want to pray into your husband. Encourage, challenge, spur him on to be a godly man. And men, you'll get your turn when I'm talking to the women. These godly women that we'll talk about are the type of women that you want to pursue, especially if you're single. If you're married, this is the type of woman that you want to encourage and pray and love your wife to be. Godly man, what does it look like to be a godly man? I think by and large, many men are just in general confused about what it means to be a man. And as I was thinking about that, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, but I think many men, generally speaking, are very confused about what it means to be a man because there's so many options. But I think more than anything, you haven't had any role models. A majority of men I know personally in this community have not come from a home where you had a healthy dad who was not just a good dad, but a godly dad. That's a rarity. So this language of a godly man, you look around and you're like, I don't see anyone who looks like that. How can I be expected to be that man when I don't see anyone doing that? There was a book, um, J.A. Doyle, I know you're all a big fan of J.A., uh, wrote a book called The Male Experience. Anyone read it? Awesome, okay. <laughs> Mr. Doyle's book uh, was really a sociological study of men and specifically masculinity of what it means to be a man. And his five conclusions of what it means to be a man is, number one, a man is unlike a female. And what he meant by that was that he is disengaged, he's unemotional, unavailable, not a great communicator, at least of things beyond sports. He's unlike a female. That was his number one defining factor of what it means to be a man. Number two, he's successful. 
There wasn't much of a definition of what it means to be successful. You define success, which is a terrible definition of success, by the way. Unlike females, you're successful. You are aggressive. You are aggressive, meaning you don't care about people. You'll walk over people if you have to, to get to what you want. Number four, you are sexual. You are unlike females, successful, aggressive. Number four, you are a sexual being. Number five, I don't think I have to explain in great detail what that means. Number five is you are self-reliant. So according to the male experience, what it means to be masculine, at least in our culture, unlike a woman, successful, aggressive, sexual, and self-reliant. You could certainly pursue that, uh, but I will tell you now, uh, that's not even what it means to be a man, uh, and that's certainly not what it means to be a godly man. I covered this in great detail, but because I'm speaking to the men, I wanted to put this challenge before the men again. I've already talked about purity, uh, so I'm not going to get into all of this. I'll say this in passing. A godly man is a pure man. And I want the women to hear this, especially if you're single. If you are a single man or single woman, and you're in relationship with a man who takes his purity seriously, means he fights for purity. He's not the porn guy, and he's not trying to get physical with you at every single opportunity. He's a guy who is not reckless with his purity. He's fighting to be pure all the time, especially with you, both personally and relationally. That will be a man that will be pure in his marriage because he fought for it in his singleness. He will continue to fight for it in his married life. So men, fight for your purity. That's not one of the three. I'm giving three for men, three for women, but I felt compelled to share that with you is a godly man is a pure man. Number one for the men, a godly man is a prudent man. A godly man is a prudent man. What does it mean to be a prudent man or a prudent individual? It means you're the guy who's living life with great intentionality and very purposefully. You know who you are. You know what you're doing. You know where you're going. You know how you're going to get there. A prudent man is a very purposeful man, is a very intentional man. There's too many men who live life just winging it. Oh, I'll figure it out as I go. Really? I don't want to be around you when you figure it out because most likely you'll have shipwrecked your life. Men who are really nonchalant with how they live. A godly man, as Proverbs teaches, is a prudent man. Proverbs 14.8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Hear that again. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. I think about often who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm doing that, where I'm going, how am I going to get there? Proverbs 14.15. Solomon goes on to say, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man, he gives thoughts to his steps. Men, as you consider how you are living life right now, are you living with every step you take, there's thought behind it. There's intentionality of why you're stepping in that direction or why you said yes to this and said no to that or vice versa. 
Do you give careful, pay careful attention to the decisions you make? And just so you know, every decision matters. Every decision matters. A prudent man, uh, Proverbs 14, 15, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. I've met a a lot of guys whose lives got shipwrecked, and they kind of stand and look at the mess of their life and like, how did I get here? And it wasn't that they were purposely driving the ship of their life, so to speak, towards a rock and trying to hit it. It's that they didn't have a plan as to where they were going, and they landed on the rocks. I've met other men who, it's not necessarily that they didn't, they shipwrecked their life, it's just they're drifting. They're just drifting through life, kind of taking it as it comes. But the reality is people who drift often drift for a lifetime. Year after year after year, just drifting. A godly man is a prudent man, a purposeful or an intentional man. Uh, I spend a lot of time one-on-one with guys, and I really enjoy that. And one of the things that I share uh, with almost all of the men that I meet with is something very simple uh, that I could just call A and B. And it's meant to be so simple that you can remember literally two letters, A and B. And the question is, how can you be a purposeful, intentional, a prudent man? A represents, this is where I'm at today. This is who I am. This is what's going on in my life. B represents, where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? Most men could identify where they are, but if you ask them where they're going, I don't know. And then they just kind of circle around A. Months go by, years go by. They physically look different, but they're not different. A purposeful, intentional, a prudent man knows where he is and knows where he's going. And as soon as I know where my B is, where I'm going, Obviously, the quickest path from A to B is a straight line. I know what to say yes to, and I know what to say no to. When good things pop up, I'm like, you know what? That's over here. My B is over here. I'm careful with my steps. I'm careful where I spend my time. Why? Because I want to be a prudent man. And the beautiful thing is, a prudent man is not a perfect man, but he's a man who's maturing. And just so you know, for me personally, I do this in chunks of time, every four months. If you were to ask me what I want to do with my life 10 years from now, I hope I'm still alive, and I have ideas of what I'd like to be doing 10 years from now, but ultimately, I, have, I don't know. But if you ask me what I want to be doing four months from now in my own personal character, what I want to be doing in my marriage, what I want to be doing as a dad, what I want to be doing here as a pastor of a church, I have a B. And rarely, if ever, have I actually hit my B. Sometimes I I weigh off and sometimes I get close, but the point is you make progress. A godly man is a prudent man. Number two, a godly man, I like this one, is a resilient man. Okay, by the way, I think I mentioned this. This is not an exhaustive list. Proverbs teaches about 50 different things of what makes up a godly man. I'm picking three. A prudent man, number two, a godly man is a resilient man. Meaning when you get knocked down, you don't get knocked out. You get back up. 
Why? Because a godly man is a resilient man and can take his hits, can take his shots, can take the criticism and get back up and keep going. Proverbs 24, 16. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. A lot of guys who, when they get knocked down, they're out. They are out for the count. And sometimes it's not even much of a punch. Okay, we're speaking here in metaphor, so work with me on this. The punch being when ungodly people take a swing at you because you've taken a stance to be a godly man, you fold, you tap out, you quit, you give up, you don't get back up. And what I love, though a righteous man falls not just once or twice, he falls seven times. He's resilient. He just keeps getting back up. A righteous man is not exempt from persecution. A righteous man is not exempt from calamity. What sets him apart, though, is when it happens, when it comes, he gets back up. He's not the tough macho guy, if I can take it, go ahead and hit me. I got a tough chin. No, he falls. But when he falls, he doesn't stay down. He gets back up. Why? Because he's a godly man, and godly men keep moving forward. When you get knocked down, when you fall over, which will happen, you get back up. I love Peter, okay? Peter is a great example of a godly man in that he was resilient. He was a little boy, okay? Acting like a little boy. A little girl comes up to him and says, don't you know Jesus? Like, aren't you with him? No, I don't know Jesus. Who are you talking about? Explain. What does he look like? Maybe I might know him then has this conversation with this little girl. She's like, no, you know Jesus. You're one of, no, I swear to God, I'm not one of his disciples. This is Peter by now, at least a 30, 35-year-old man to a little girl who's between 12 and 15. Peter, a grown man acting like a little boy. Why? Because someone asked him a hard question. But what I love about Peter is he never did that again. He never repeated the sins of denying even knowing or having knowledge of Jesus. If you read in Acts chapter 5, it says this, His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. Peter was preaching up a storm, telling people all about Jesus. Religious leaders did not like this, so they persecuted him. So they called the apostles in and had them flogged, meaning they were whipped. And that hurts. I've never been whipped before. I've been hit with a belt but I've never been flogged, where literally skin comes off of you, off of your body, okay? A very painful, not a very pleasant thing. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. I picture Peter walking out like, wow, dude, check out this. This is going to be a good scar. Like this is going to be a huge scar right here. Rejoicing that because of Jesus, he was starting to pick up scars in his life. And when he was told, stop talking about Jesus, he didn't put his tail between his legs and be like, I'm not supposed to talk about Jesus, so I guess I'll just I'll talk about something else because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I don't want to offend anyone and I certainly don't want to get spanked again. No, he picked up his scars 
He went out and was ruthless and fearless in preaching the gospel. Why? Because he was a resilient man. Guys, let's be honest. No one's hitting us, okay? No one's taking swings at you because you're being a, trying to be a godly man. I think what happens is you get taunted, you get criticized, you get made fun of. That's about the extent of our persecution. I'm not saying it's not real. It happens. But let's be honest. No one's taking a swing at you. No one's putting uh, a flog, flogging you, ripping flesh off of your body. A resilient man, no matter when he gets hit, no matter when calamity strikes, we get back up. I question I was going to ask just for the men is, how can you grow in resilience? Like, if you want to be the man that falls seven times but gets up seven times, how can you be that guy? And one would be, you got to surround yourself with some godly men. If you're the guy who's walking through life by yourself, when you fall, you won't get back up. I promise you. You might get back up once, but when it happens again, it just hurts too much. You need a brotherhood, a community of men, a fraternity of men. Not just any men, but men who are committed to the same things you are. Solomon gives this wisdom in Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Pity you if you don't have a community of men. And a community doesn't have to be a hundred. It could just be one. It could be two. It doesn't have to be much. But you at least have to have one or two men in your life. When you go down, they're there with you to pick you back up. And the beauty of having a community of men is you can point out your scars. And guys are often impressed by scars. I look at this one. I'll check this one out over here. Surround yourself with some godly men. And the second thing is, find a Mickey. Find a Mickey in your life. If you want to be a resilient man, you will surround yourself with other godly men who will pick you back up, and you will have at least one man who serves as a Mickey for you. I'm a huge Rocky fan. Men, that's why we have a poster of Rocky in our bathroom. I love it, okay? Women, you didn't know that. The secret's out, but we got Rocky Balboa in our bathroom. Rocky 1, Rocky 2, 3, and 4, Rocky 5. He's in his final fight. And Sylvester Stallone, the actor, by this time is now like 85 years old by the time <laughs> Rocky 5 comes out. But he's in his final fight. He's fighting some young guy, and it's a street fight. And he's winning and then losing, winning and then losing. And then he goes down, and it looks like he's going down for the final time. And then the music comes on. And then he starts having flashbacks of Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, Rocky 3, and Rocky 4, of Clubber Lang and Apostle Creed and Yvonne Drago. He starts picturing all these men that have knocked him down, but he got back up to defeat him. But then he has a picture in his mind, and he hears a voice, and he sees a face, and it's Mickey. Mickey is the old man. He was the trainer. He was the man who loved Rocky, took him from nothing to a championship. And Mickey is screaming at Rocky, get up, you bum. Get up, you bum, because Mickey loves you. I'm being totally serious. If you don't have a Mickey in your life, someone willing to call you a bum, challenge you to get up because they love you, you won't get up. 
You need some godly men in your life who will help pick you up, but you need a Mickey, a man who will say it like it is, who will train you, who will love you, and when you just don't feel like getting up, you got Mickey screaming in your ear, get up. A godly man is a prudent man. A godly man is a resilient man. And the last one is a godly man is a faithful man. Solomon did not have a perfect father, but he had a faithful father. And if you're at all familiar with King David, he made some really, really bad decisions. You know, slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, killed her husband. Solomon is the son of this adulterous affair. So I am not painting David as a perfect man, but he was a faithful man. And what I like about David, and Solomon grew up watching his dad be faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. God says this of David. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul, who was the king, he made David their king. And he testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that does anything and everything, no matter what it might be, that God asks me to do. That right there is a faithful man. God said he's a man after my own heart. Why? Because he'll do everything. There's nothing David wouldn't do including there were things he didn't do again. He never got committed adultery again because it wasn't him. He saw that that was faithlessness to what God called him to be and do, and he didn't do it again. A godly man is a faithful man. And what I love about Proverbs is it says, a faithful man is really hard to find. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find a prudent man, a resilient man, and a faithful man. And Solomon says, these guys are hard to come by. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, where is he? I hope and I pray, men of this community, that you would grow in godliness, that you would be prudent, live very purposefully and intentionally, that you would be very resilient, that when someone swings, it's not that you swing back. It's that you get up if you get knocked down. And a godly man is a faithful man. The man who does everything that God wants you to do. And just so you know, there is no such thing as partial faithfulness or seasonal faithfulness. There's no such thing as situational faithfulness. Well, I'll be faithful over here, but this area... I don't need to be. Why? Because I'm doing it over here, so it kind of equals out. You are either faithful or you're not. That's it. And a godly man is not partially faithful. He's faithful at all times in all things, no matter what it might be. So what is God calling you men to be faithful with? If you're a married man, you're called to be faithful to your wife. And being faithful to your wife does not just mean not sleeping with some other woman. Being faithful as a husband means you pursue your wife. You sacrificially lay your life down for her. You serve her. You love her. Not because you have to, but because you get to. 
if God has entrusted you with a wife, be faithful. I have a long list and I won't go through them, but a godly man is a prudent man, a godly man is a resilient man, and a godly man is a faithful man. Men, would you commit, this is just three, but would you at least commit to these and say, I do want to be a godly man and I will begin growing in these areas. I will surround myself with some other godly men. I'll find myself a Mickey and I'll begin this journey. Women, all right, men, don't check out and be like, all right, we're done. I want you to listen to how Proverbs describes a godly woman so that you can pursue that type of woman. And if you're married, that you can help cultivate and encourage your wife to be a godly woman. Now, this is where it gets tricky. I've never been a woman. I have no experience in being a woman. Just wanted to be clear. Thankfully, I live with one, and I'm not just saying that uh, to get points with Kyla because she's not even here. I'm thankful that I live with a godly woman. I get to see it every day. She's not perfect. She'd be the first one to tell you that, but she is godly, and she's growing, growing in godliness. But like men, I think there are many women who are very confused as what it means to be a woman. Compliments of things like Cosmo, and the, I mean, my goodness, you just go to any Barnes & Noble grocery store, the onslaught of magazines that are for women, about women, is just obscene. So compliments of things like Cosmo, compliments of wonderful TV shows, very edifying, building up TV shows like Sex in the City, very helpful of what it means to be a woman, and compliments of things like Victoria's Secret Catalog. Women have a very confused idea of not only what it means to be a woman, but what it means to be a godly woman. Another book was uh, published relatively recently called Alpha Girl, Understanding the New American Girl and How She is Changing the World. It says this, she is ambitious, she is driven, she is competitive, she's assertive, she is confident, and she is attractive. Her focus is on being a person than on being a woman. Focus is on being a person, but then she turns her attention to being a woman. There was a study uh, performed at, at Duke uh, a few years back, and it was a study entitled Life, on, Life of a Woman on Campus. And they interviewed women from Duke, from Stanford, from some of the pretty big, I don't know if those are Ivy League schools, but you know they're not Ohio State, but they try, um, <laughs> schools in that, uh, in that arena. And this is what uh, researchers found for women of what it means to be a woman. You can do it all, but you can't try too hard. In fact, you can't, be, you can't appear to be making any effort at all. You need to be smart, accomplished, fit, beautiful, well-liked, without any visible effort. And what people commonly said and what researchers coined for women is effortless perfection. You have to be perfect, but you can't try to be perfect. You have to look beautiful, but you can't appear that you're trying to be beautiful. You have to be incredibly smart, 
but don't let anyone ever catch you with a book in your hand. Effortless perfection. And unfortunately, women buy into this. That what it means to be a woman means I have to be perfect. I have to be all of these things and then some. Women, don't buy into that. Please do not give any more of your heart and your mind to that. Give your heart and mind over to understanding how God created you and ultimately what it means to be a godly woman. So the question is, what does it mean to be God's woman or a godly woman? The first one is this. A godly woman is a kind-hearted woman. Like, really? That's, that's the first one? Yeah, that's the first one. A godly woman is a kind-hearted woman. Proverbs eleven sixteen. A kind-hearted woman, she gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. What's interesting is our feminine culture, feminism in our culture, gets women to crave, I want to be respected for who I am, what I've done, my accomplishments, all of these things. But what Proverbs actually teaches is if you want to be a woman who's respected, be a kind-hearted woman. Let me ask you a question, ladies. Do you know any kind-hearted women in your life? As you look out at your life, whether people you might know personally or people you've heard of, do you know any kind-hearted woman? What comes to mind when you're thinking of this person that deems her she is a kind-hearted person? I think of the person when you walk away from her, you feel blessed and built up, not torn down. It's the woman that you walk away encouraged, not shamed or judged. Or the woman where you can walk away and be challenged, but not manipulated. The Hebrew word for kind-hearted is the same word that you see in the Old Testament for grace and for favor. And so to be a kind-hearted woman means that you are a gracious woman. I love that picture that you are a godly woman is a kind-hearted or a gracious woman. Now, practically speaking, for women, how does one become? What does it practically look like to be gracious or kind-hearted? And I put down two things. Number one of what it means, what it looks like to be kind-hearted or gracious is, rather than competing with others, namely women, you pursue, encourage, promote others, not yourself. Meaning that when you talk, people can hear you talking about other women in a gracious way. They hear the words coming out of your mouth. You are constantly and continually building everyone, but namely other women up. Most women, if you're honest, you're threatened by other women. When you walk into a room, it's not often you walk in checking out what guy is there. You walk in checking out what other woman is there. Why? She's your competition. What does she look like? What is she wearing? How is she acting? How is she talking and interacting with this guy over here? A kind-hearted or a gracious woman is not in competition with other women. But a kind-hearted, gracious woman finds herself always building other women up, speaking favorably, speaking graciously, not critiquing and criticizing and judging, but the words are so reflective of what's in your heart. You love other women. 
You seek what's best for them. Why? Because you're a gracious woman. Number two, and similar to number one, is a kind-hearted or gracious woman. You're not the woman who's always judging other women. Why did she do that? Why did she say that? Why does she have to wear that? Why does she look like that? What's up with those shoes? I'm not trying to be superficial, but sometimes pretty superficial. The things that we're judging other people on is typically appearance. Why? Cosmo, Sex in the City, Victoria's Secret. We're putting that stuff in our heads and we judge women on that standard rather than look for the best in other women and then seek to build them up. Not making much of you, but making much of other people so that you can be gracious, kind, and encouraging other people. Before I leave that point, I wanted to ask the question for women. Who might you be kind-hearted to before you leave this place? If you're going to be a godly woman, you have to be a kind-hearted or a gracious woman. So as you survey your life, who is God calling you right now to be kind-hearted or gracious to? And if there is a woman who's not been kind-hearted or gracious to you, who's criticized you, who's complained against you, who's gossiped against you, start with her. Start with her. Why? Because grace softens hard hearts. And I can only say that because God's grace softened my stone-cold, hard rock heart. Start with her. Number two, a godly woman is a secure woman. Interesting, Proverbs 31 largely is written to what does a godly woman look like. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week uh, when we talk about what is marriage and talk about marriage. But one thing I wanted to point out of the entire section of Proverbs 31 is verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. I love that picture of a woman who looks to her days to come and laughs. Not with an arrogance or I'm, you know, superwoman, I don't need to, whatever. But a woman who when she looks out in the days to come, known, unknown, she's able to laugh. And it's a laughter that comes from a woman who is absolutely secure, not in who she is, but in who her God is. That is the Proverbs 31 lady. Has nothing to do with that she's this secure woman. It's a secure woman knows her God. And so when she looks to the days to come, she sees her God that has walked before her, and she can laugh, she can smile, she can rest easy. So women, when you look to the future, what happens to you? Be honest, bless you, be honest is what happens when you consider tomorrow, next week, a month from now, a year from now, are you plagued with and filled with insecurity of anxiety and worry and fear? You get so overwhelmed with what could be, with what might be, with what should be. And you just, you're paralyzed. Or maybe when you look to the future, it's, you have a hard time even seeing it because your eyes are so teared up because of fear. You're so scared. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? What if they do that? What if they say this? What if this happens? What if this guy, what, 
What if, what if, what if? A godly woman is a secure woman because when she looks forward, she sees God. You might not have a clue as to what the circumstance or situation will be, which is okay. Why? Because you know God. And if you know God, and you know God rightly, you can look at the future and smile. Now, do not misunderstand that I'm saying that the future is easy, but your future is secure. And there's a big difference of, I don't have to be, and I'm a guy, but speaking for women, filled with anxiety and fear and worry as I look to my days ahead. Because I know my God not only walks with me, but has walked out ahead of me. A godly woman is a kind-hearted, gracious woman. A godly woman is a secure woman. Don't be confused in God, because you know who your God is. And number three, and hopefully this will be memorable to you, a godly woman is a construction worker. A godly woman is a construction worker. Proverbs 14, verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Why I'm saying a godly woman is a construction worker is that when you consider your life, your house, this is what the metaphor is, is your life, you are building on a healthy foundation, a very careful, very purposeful, very intentional house. And what I specifically love about this life as a house metaphor, a wise woman builds her house, is I'm not only, you would never meet an architect or a construction individual who's building a house and like, hey, can I see the plans? Oh, I don't have any plans. What do you mean you don't have any plans? Well, I'm just going to kind of make it up as I go. Really? You don't know where that, that room's going to be or what's going to be in this room? No, I'm just going to kind of wing it. See how it goes. I would not want to live in that house. Why? Because there was no intentionality. There was no purpose. There was no plan. It was an accident. It was just random happenstance. A godly woman is a great construction worker because she's so purposeful in the life that she is building. And more importantly, I think, than purposeful is that you protect your house. You don't let anyone into your house. When I say that, you don't let just anyone into your house. Can you imagine if an electrician showed up and you're building a house and be like, well, can I see your license or tell me some, exp- uh, I don't have any. What do you mean you don't have any? Well, I know how to turn on a light switch. Well, that's what you got. I'm not going to let that person do the electrical work in my house. Imagine a plumber comes along. I'd like to do the plumbing for you. Well, what do you know about plumbing? Well, I use a toilet a couple times a day. That's it. You will not be in my house helping to build my house. The metaphor, and why I hope this really resonates with you. Women, if you do not guard your house, your life, you will let anyone and everyone into your house at any given moment. A godly woman knows how to protect her life. 
so that when a guy shows interest in you, you don't get so excited and be like, oh my gosh, a guy is showing interest in me. Well, what kind of guy is he? Is he a godly man? Has he been just, can he spell Jesus or does he know Jesus? There's a big difference. And if he can only spell Jesus but doesn't really know Jesus, I don't let him into my house. When anxiety, worry, fear knocks on the door of my house, I don't let them in because I know that they tear apart or destroy my life. The wise woman, she builds her house. Women, if you would be a godly woman, you have to start building your house. You have to start having purpose and intentionality with your house, your life. And you have to start protecting and guarding so that not just anyone and everyone can come in. I'm purposeful and guarded of the relationships I have. A godly woman is a gracious woman, a, god, or a kind-hearted, gracious woman. A godly woman is a secure woman, and a godly woman is a great construction worker. And by the way, if you didn't catch that in the proverb, who's the one who tore down the woman's house? It was her. It wasn't some life situation circumstance. She is the one who took apart her own life because she lived like a fool. Rather than intentionally, purposefully, and very protected, building her life. It's sad to me when I meet women and I've seen women who did not protect and guard their life. And anyone and everyone could come in. And what happens is there's many women who are just broken. Their house got trashed because anyone could come take residence. Final question for women. Is there anyone or anything in your life today that you need to kick out? As you consider where you are today, is there something, maybe someone, that you've allowed into your life that it's time to give them an eviction notice and say no more? If you don't guard your life, the reality is it will be a life that gets trashed and trampled on by many things, by many people. Godly man is a prudent man, is a resilient man, and he's a faithful man. And a godly woman is a kind-hearted, gracious woman. And a godly a godly woman, as they finish there, is not only a great uh, construction worker, but she's a, a woman who knows who her God is, and she finds her security and strength in that. I'm going to spend some time uh, giving you an opportunity just to pray and to reflect for men. Maybe it's time to make the decision to say, I want to be godly. I'm tired settling for something less than godliness, and women the same. The beautiful thing and the reality is that you don't be a godly man or a godly woman by yourself. The God who has called you into relationship with him, it is because of him, because of Jesus, his grace at work in you that we can grow in godliness. And that would be my prayer is that if you come back next week, 
you're a little bit more godly than you were today. And when you come back a month from now, you're even more godly because godly people grow in godliness. Not in our own strength, but in the strength that God provides through us and for us because of the gospel. So Father God, I give thanks that as men and women here, we do not need to be confused at all as to what it means to be a godly man or a godly woman. God, I just pray that uh, as you've, I trust, have been speaking to just men and women here, uh, God, I pray there, there would be great confessions and great commitments getting made right now to walk the path of being a godly man or a godly woman. As you pray and as we just begin to worship, uh, please give yourself the freedom just to sit uh, for a while, reflect and respond to uh, what God has been talking to you about. And then when it's time, uh, I'd love that we do communion, is come and celebrate. If you're a follower of Jesus, meaning you have confessed Jesus to be your God, not just a God, but your God, then come and celebrate that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a very painful death, and was raised back to life so that our sins would be forgiven and we could have an eternal relationship with God now and forever. If you're a Christian, come and say thank you to Jesus uh, for doing for you what you could never do for yourself. And if you're not a Christian, you cannot be a godly man or a godly woman without making that decision to say, Jesus, my life is in your hands, and you can do that today. Jesus, thank you for loving us, for giving yourself that we would have and know your love and have life. Jesus, I just, even reflecting what we've been doing here today, I just give thanks for moments like this where we can just, just stop and pause and consider and reflect. We all know what it's like to live such busy, crowded lives. So Jesus, thank you for a time like this just to sing, to worship, to reflect on you, to consider what Scripture says. We don't get much time like this during the week, so we thank you, God, for this time. And Jesus, I pray for each of us as we would go from this place because of the time we've had, not only together, but the time we've had with you, that we would go out and be very different in the way we live. Strengthen us by your grace to be the godly men you've called us to be. Strengthen us by your grace to be the godly women that you've called the women here to be. Jesus, again, we give thanks that you love. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great uh, rest of the week. Again, if uh, you would like to come back tonight as we talk about the gospel. Um, some hard things we'll cover, but uh, come with your questions, and uh, we'll start at 6. And uh, again, if you are new, uh, we put these cards on your chair of Get Connected. If uh, you would be willing to give an email, uh, our connections team will follow up with you and just kind of begin the process of helping you to connect with all that God's doing here uh, in this Genesis community. So uh, have a great rest of the day. Hopefully we'll see some people back tonight. If not, have a great rest of the week. God bless. Peace out.